Good evening, Newark, and welcome back once again to our Friday Night with Friends. I am so excited to be joining you tonight, and any moment I should have Sister Leela joining me as well as our guest this evening. And so to the two of you, you can go ahead and come off of mute and share your cameras once again. And we're excited to be joining you live tonight on July 24th, 2020, as we do our Friday Night with Friends. And if you are joining us for the first time, or if you are not a normal member of our viewership, we welcome you. Be sure to check out our website at newarkupc.info, and there you can find all kinds of information about our church. You can find out about submitting prayer requests. You can partner with us in giving. You can join our online small groups that meet every week during this COVID-19 crisis online in a digital format. And we're excited to have you here with us. And so, Leela, if you can hear me, can you go ahead and begin sharing your camera? Well, Desi, I got a little technical difficulty. It's telling me I cannot because you're not allowing it. I'm pretty sure that's the same with Brother Stan. Yes, it is. Okay. I will get that going. And we should be bringing that there back on. Go. There we go. Sorry there about go. that. Probably something from my end. And so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Sister Leela Cooper, our executive pastor, and I'm going to hide into the background. As you can see from the distinguished gentleman who's on the screen with us, he needs no formal introduction. We call it Friday Night with Friends. This is probably as close as we're going to get to Friday Night with Family. I don't even know if he qualifies as a friend, but I'm going to go ahead, for those of you who may not recognize the gentleman with us, and allow Leela to introduce him. And I will be back at the halfway point to moderate some questions. All right. Thank you, Desi. Desi took the words out of my mouth. Uh, first, I want to add my welcome to all of you who are joining online. Uh, I was going to introduce Stan tonight as more than a friend, but a brother. And uh, brother, we can almost say from Newark, from the same mother. Uh, as you know, woman, the apostolic uh, was birthed out of uh, Newark. And uh, anyway, it's an honor to be here with you tonight, Brother Stan. Uh, Brother Stan pastors Wilmington Apostolic Pentecostal Church in Wilmington, Delaware, along with his awesome wife, Millicent Seth. And uh, for most of you, uh, for many of you who have been around a long time, you will know Stan from when they were with us. What? How many years ago, Stan, has it been? Since, uh, since 1993. Since 1993. That's right. Yeah. I came to the church the latter part of 94 is when I met Stan at a Bible study. Um, and so we go a long way back. It's an honor to be with you, and I appreciate you uh, making some time for us tonight. I told Brother Stan that we're just going to have a conversation here. Um, again, some of you who came more recently, you would not know Brother Stan, and uh, some of us that have been around a long time, we know bits and pieces of his story. I think he has an extraordinary story, and I know this is a church who loves uh, testimonies, and uh, so I've asked Brother Stan to kind of share his heart, um, to give us some background, and I'm going to give him some prompts to, to go on about who he is, and, and I think uh, you'll be able to glean some awesome things from his life, because he is truly an example of the power of Jesus Christ and what he can do in our lives. So, Brother Stan, if you want to greet the congregation, you can go right ahead. Well, uh, thank you for having me, Newark United Pentecostal Church. So pleased to be with you this evening, and uh, I pray we're going to have uh, what I would consider to be a productive night in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, everything that I would say uh, is targeted towards glorifying him and his great power, especially in my life. And so, so I'm happy to share anything that will help 
those of you that are that are in Newark, you are my family members. Uh, I was saved in Newark United Pentecostal Church uh, under the ministry of the elder statesman James Beardsley and just am so so pleased to be associated with you. And in fact, I often tell people that ask me uh, when they're seeking churches in the area, I'll say, you might want to check out Newark United Pentecostal Church. If I wasn't pastoring a church, that's where I would be attending. And that is a true story. I, I love Newark United Pentecostal Church. And so does Wilmington Apostolic. They know you better than you might could understand because you're brought up often enough as good examples of what God can do in the lives of people that love it. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll just start by saying, uh, if I had to give you my testimony, the I would say that I was uh, reasonably successful sinner in the sense uh, that I was sinning and I, and, and I knew I was sinning and, and my favorite saying used to be, especially when someone would come to me and try to speak to me about God, I would say, oh, well, don't, don't worry about it. Don't waste your time. I'm going to bust hell wide open. I already know that. Wow. And that was pretty much my attitude at the time. And, and uh, that attitude didn't change until I faced my mortality. Something happened to me. And uh, I just knew I was going to be dead by December of 93. I just knew I was going to be dead. And so I started looking to the Lord and saying, well, I don't want to bust hell wide open. Uh, if there's any way I can tell you that I'm sorry, Lord, and, and I just don't want to go to hell, please. I just, don't, I, just, it, I just know it's a bad place to go and I don't want to go there. I'm not asking you to save my life. I'm just asking if I could go to heaven, if there's anything I could do where you would allow me to go, then that's what I want to do. Hey, Brother Stan, let me interrupt you for a second, because you, you mentioned a couple of interesting things here, and I don't want you to get the cart before the horse. I know you can get rolling with a story here. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were a pretty successful sinner. Uh, so tell the church who you were before you came. But let's, let's get pre-1993, since you mentioned that as sort of a, a pivotal point in your life. Tell us about your education, where you grew up, you know, just kind of paint a picture of your background for us so we can get a better understanding of that. Okay. I was an army brat, meaning my stepfather uh, was a military man, career. And uh, so we traveled around every three years from one place to another. And, and uh, I kind of grew up with a military mindset. Mm. My father was, uh, in his heyday, he was a drill sergeant. And so you can imagine that he ruled the family with an iron fist. And, mm. and so we understood those things. My uh, religious background is at Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, if I could say they contributed one thing to me, it was to be wary of false prophets. That oh. is the one thing that was instilled into me early. Uh, through that religion, because, you know, you Sunday church to go, go to churches, you guys, you were worshiping on the wrong day, that Sunday's not the Sabbath, blah, 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 uh -huh. listening to false prophets and all of that. And so, so I grew up with that. Uh, 
but I was reasonably successful because uh, I could navigate the academics at school. And I was a physical, I had the physical stature to take care of business and those kinds of things. So we grew up fighting all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, me and my, my uh, brother that's 15 months behind me. Stan, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up uh, a little while in Milford, Delaware, early in life, mm -hmm. then moved to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, then moved from there to Colorado Springs, which is Fort Carson, Colorado, wow. and then came back and lived in Wilmington one year when my uh, father went to Vietnam, mm -hmm. and then went back to Fort Leonard, uh, excuse me, back, back to Fort Carson in Colorado Springs, and then from there to uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri in Waynesville, Missouri, halfway between St. Louis and Branson, Missouri. Missouri. And, uh, and then went to Germany and was in Germany three years before I came back and went to school at Delaware State University. It was Delaware State College at that time. Okay. And then I left there and went to uh, Boston to work for the Gillette Company for a year. And from there, went to grad school at Columbia University in New York City. And from there, came back to Delaware uh, okay. to start my corporate life. So that's okay. kind of a little bit of the background. All right. You did mention you were Army Rat. You guys moved a lot. So you kind of grew up in a number of places. But I'm sure that gave you an interesting perspective because you had the opportunity to live in so many different, um, you know, in so many different places. and. So that's interesting. That's something I didn't know about you, Stan. And I've been knowing you all these years, and I and I didn't know that. Wow. All right. So so let me ask you, where did where did you meet Millicent? Where's she coming to the picture? Delaware State College. At Delaware State. Okay. Yep. She. Uh, I met her my the end of my sophomore year in college, and uh, we became co college sweethearts and. You know, pretty much the rest is history there. <laughs> Indeed it is. That's right. All right. So fast forward again to back to 1993. You mentioned if I can jump in real quick, I apologize. Yes. We've had several people making comments. Stan, um, you, you seem a little muffled. So I don't know if you're able to turn up the mic or if you can scoot a little closer or just speak a little louder. Everybody's excited. Lots of hellos from your church family here. They just want to make sure they can hear you clearly. How, how about now? Is this better? That's better. Yes, sir. That's better. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Okay. So 1993, you come to this place in life, you just know you're going to die. You're having right. a crisis here. And you're talking to God about suddenly you don't want to go to hell. It's not so funny anymore, right? Right. All right. So, so pick up there for us, please. Uh, at that time, I started... Uh, watching TBN and and trying to tag in. And at the same time, uh, my daughter, Ashley, went to camp down at Kent Christian mm. in Dover, the Trout's Church. And oh, they, yeah. they had to camp for the district there. And she came back after a week of camp and wanted to be baptized. And oh. so I knew, I had always been raised that if a child wants to come to God, you don't mess with that. You have to let that happen. Mm -hmm. So we said yes, Millicent and I, and we took her back to Dover 
attended a service down there and let them know we she wanted to be baptized and we were okay with it. So uh, we went down there, she got baptized. And then when we came back up to the Newark area, uh, because that's where I was living at the time in Newark. And okay. so, so uh, my wife and I, we decided, well, we've got to keep her in the same kind of church she got baptized in. And that's, and so that was Brother Beardsley. And so we, that's when we first started going to uh, Newark. And at the time, uh, my wife and I would trade off Sundays taking her. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was funny, we would argue, you know, it's your turn. Oh no, it's your turn. Or, you know, well, I was out drinking last night. And so, you know, I was oh, wow. taking her, that kind of thing. And so, but yeah, that's, that's how we came to Newark. So Ashley was your introduction to the Apostolic Church. That's correct. So when, or what was it that got your attention? What, what was it about the church for yourself? What was the breaking point? Or well, it was that James Beardsley preaching. Ah. It was, you know, I just felt like he was thumping me right on my nose when he was <laughs> he was preaching. He was he was reading me my life, and he didn't know me from Adam. Ah. And, uh, oh, yeah, so got my attention. I understand. So, did you? Um, so, I know you were coming to church. Uh, and, and, but did you actually, so when did you have a Bible study? When did you have that, that light bulb moment where you understood that, that you needed to be um, born again? You needed to be repenting back. What, what was that moment for you? Well, I felt like I had been such a sinner that I needed to get baptized. Mm -hmm. Of course, you would, you would know what we do at, at that uh, morning worship service. You're going to hear water baptism. You're going to hear Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And so I was hearing that and, and I decided uh, that I needed to get baptized. And I went to Brother Beersley on a Friday night. I came Friday night on Friday night prayer mm -hmm. and said to him that I wanted to get baptized. And he said, okay, you let me know when. And I said, Sunday night. And so that following Sunday night, which was September the 4th of that year, okay. uh, I got baptized in Jesus name came out in my uh, shorts and my tank top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a moment. <laughs> oh, it was all, oh, they've had pictures, so I don't know if they still have them or not, but- uh, I wish I had known ahead of time. <laughs> it was a sight for sore eyes, I'm telling you. When I look back at that time, I'm like, oh my. I hope they don't have those pictures anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that was funny. So no robe for you. You came out in tank top and shorts. Well, I knew they weren't going to have a robe to fit me. <laughs> I'm 300 plus pounds. I'm like, you know, when you're 300 right. pounds, you kind of know you come ready. That's all right. You, you took it literally. Come as you are. That was a good thing, right? I sure did, too. I pranced out there in my Bermuda shorts and uh -huh. tank top like it wasn't nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, so, so where did Millicent come along as far as uh, being born again, was it? Shortly after that, or? She was born again. Uh, she went to Weeks Church in the city, and she beat oh. me by a couple of years getting baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, okay. But she never received the Holy Ghost. All right. So it was probably uh, mid-October she received the Holy Ghost of that year. And then the very next week, I received the Holy Ghost at a gospel extravaganza at uh, Kent Christian. Uh, they were doing a gospel extravaganza that night and 
So we went down there and everybody had the Holy Ghost but me. So I wanted to get that Holy Ghost. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, that was quite a feat. And once I got the Holy Ghost, it was such a revelation. It was uh -huh. surely this has got to be truth. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Because it was like no other experience ever in my life. Uh -huh. And so it was, it was just so wonderful that oh. I had to tell everybody. Oh, yeah. I remember. I met you shortly I, after I that. <laughs> I said, you must not know because I didn't know. So I know you don't know <laughs> because this is what you're doing. And you got to get this Holy Ghost. This thing is something, you know. And mm -hmm. I was telling anybody that would listen. Uh-huh. You know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've often said to the congregation that, I was a much more effective witness when I wasn't trying to witness, <laughs> you know, when it was just that joy of the Lord, when you were just enthusiastic and just sharing and you didn't even necessarily have a motive. You, you know, it was just sort of bubbling out of you. you yeah. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I understand that. And within my first 30 days, I won a person to the Lord. And then I just kept right on winning them because I knew people didn't know they were, these are good people as we call them good. Uh, they're they're good people. They just uh -huh. didn't know. They sure. Didn't know. Do you remember who that first person is? Audrey Jackson. Who? Audrey Jackson. She's Thompson now. She got married since then. Okay. Uh, but absolutely, we took her to Sister Beverly's Bible study, and you know what happens there. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I happened there, right? Exactly. Brother Beardsley was saying to the congregation. I remember he said it distinctly. He said. You know, he's been with us 30 days and he's already won a soul. What are the rest of you doing? <laughs> I didn't know that from anything. I just, uh -huh. thought, you know what, we got we to gotta get the word out. Something's going on. Yeah, yeah. And that was my heartbeat right there. So Absolutely. Still is. I know that. Yeah. So Stan, if you, if you can think back to that, to those early days, um, given where you came from, and I mean all of that, where you came from, right? What what challenges did you face coming into church? You know, we, I know doctrinally that was a big shift from whatever you knew Seventh Day Adventist wise, but did you face any other challenges coming into the church? No, no, no. Okay. I I wasn't gonna see because I was facing death, and I felt mm -hmm. like God had given me life. Uh huh. He had corrected some stuff in my in my perspective. And I wasn't ever mm -hmm. gonna let it go. Uh -huh. I wasn't ever gonna let it go. And so whatever came up against going to church, well, it had to lose. Uh -huh. I, I was not gonna let anything affect that. And especially when I heard, the first time I heard tongues and interpretation, oh my goodness. Woo! Yeah. I, yeah. What in the world? See, our world doesn't know these things. Yeah. Yeah. And for, to have God speak to the to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And the first time I heard tongues and interpretation, I'm telling you, that was that was that affected me oh, because yeah. it was again, I was having my life read to me. Mm -hmm. And these and I and these people in Newark United Pentecostal Church, they didn't know me from Adam. Right. And here this stuff is going, it's got to be God. He's the only one that knows me like that. Mm -hmm. And so it was just evidence, you know, the evidence like uh, 1 Corinthians 14 that lets us know that, that that's the case, that when the, when the unknown tongues comes forth, you know, 
uh -huh. diverse kinds of tongues. It is for the outsider, the, uh -huh. the sinner. Uh -huh. And and it was. It's it got my attention. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, re I remember that being a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> I agree. This is God. Absolutely. Do you recall um, when you were called to, to minister what, and what that looked like when God called you to, to yeah, gospel? It was, it was scary mm -hmm. because I, I received the, the call from the Lord. In, in a very unique way, and I and I understood what was being requested of me by him, uh -huh. but I didn't believe it, and so I said, "Surely not me," because in my mindset, I'm an educated businessman. Uh -huh. That's where my master's education comes from. Uh -huh. So. And I remember saying to the Lord, this can't, you know, I know I have to be mistaken because I'm not trained in theology or divinity or any of those things. Right. And I have respect for education. So I know you can't be calling me mm -hmm. because I'm a trained businessman. So I right. ignored it for a long time, a long time. Really? I ignored it. Yes. And, but the Lord wouldn't stop. No. He was, he was persistent and. And uh, I kept saying, you know, my skill set and so forth. Bottom line was I went to Brother Beersley and said, can you believe this? I know I'm crazy. Let me just tell you this so you can you can look at it and you can you can set me straight. <laughs> and I told him and uh, the first thing he said was, I wondered when you were going to realize it. Uh, uh huh. Then the second thing he said was, don't tell anybody how you got your calling. <laughs> Keep between and you I, and God, huh? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I was afraid of Brother Beersley. Oh, really? I was afraid of him because I knew he was connected to God. Uh -huh. he, he had my, when I say he, the Lord just like spilled my whole life in front of him because he couldn't preach to me so directly uh -huh. and, and not have been told by the Lord. And I kept saying, I'm gonna leave this guy alone. This guy is connected to God. Oh, so yeah. I was afraid of God. Uh -huh. I uh -huh. was afraid of God. Uh -huh. And then I was afraid of Brother Beersley uh -huh. because I knew that they were connected uh -huh. and, I'm a, and I was a sinner saved by grace. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So that was, Absolutely. that was my attitude. And mm -hmm. I considered Stephen Beersley the luckiest guy in the world to have a father like that <laughs> and a mother like that. I was like, oh boy, this guy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Lord, just rub some of what Stephen Beersley's getting off on Ashley, please. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. this, this guy is connected yeah. to you and I want my kids to be connected all through like this. And, uh -huh. and so... Uh -huh. So that was my attitude. Oh yeah, I understand that. Uh, I, I recall several times, uh, either talking to Bev or you know coming down the road to church, talking about things in the car, and we get to church, and and Brother Beers would preach the whole conversation. You know, he preach whatever, and I mean, and there were there were countless times when it's like, how did he know that? And I agree with you on that. That that was one of the things that let me know this man is connected. Yeah. And uh, we have definitely been blessed as a congregation. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I call him dad because I feel the same way. And um, because he's he's got many children. And, uh, Amen. Amen. Yeah, we, we've been blessed uh, by his ministry in many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said you didn't face uh, many struggles coming to church. You were at a crisis point, which, you know, that's obviously where God finds us most of the times where we're at some, you know, where we're between a rock and a hard place. Wow. And um, I've shared some of my story and I'm glad it wasn't your story uh, about some of the, um, the struggle cultural wise and race wise that I had come into the, to the church. Um, you, you had the Seventh-day Adventist background. You know, I had a Baptist background and as you know, I grew up in, in inner city DC and, you know, there was just, this, there was just this, um, mindset that you stay with your own. And when I came into the church, that was a big struggle for me. Um, not, not me personally, but how was I going to make that right with my community? And it was almost like a betrayal kind of thing. If you, if you don't stay with your own people in so many ways. Um, but there was the, the love of God that was there. There was that genuine, um, love that, you know, you, you spoke about Elder Beardsley and Steve and, and the rest of the congregation. And I didn't have an issue directly, but it was that struggle, you know, how, you know, um, you know how was I going to explain this to my people, so to speak. Um, but I found it's just the truth, you know, yeah. you know, but the love of God, it transcends all. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we understand that. And um, I know there's a big issue going on right now in the, in the community. And I just want to get your, your, your take on that a little bit, um, you know, the whole um, the racial uprising that's happening right now. The racism uh, issue and yeah, in, in our country. What what are your thoughts about that? Um, and you can make them as broad as the narrow you want. And and what's your take on what you feel the solution is? Okay. The first of all, you have to acknowledge right and wrong. You always you always mm -hmm. have. You can't get to truth without acknowledging right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And so see what is wrong is racism. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's a social ill. It is wrong. There's just no way to make that yep. right. Mm -hmm. I had suffered racism uh, growing up even mm -hmm. and, uh, and multiple times. I lived through the race riots. Mm. I, I lived and there were uh, all, I could give you all kinds of scenarios that you would agree the things that happened to me and my siblings and those mm -hmm. kinds of things where you would see that it was definitely racism mm -hmm. and, and how why we were treated like we the way we were treated and so you understand that and then even through corporate america as i went through and came mm -hmm. out of uh, columbia university and i faced the glass ceiling in in corporate america and mm -hmm. and the rules were different for me than they were for everyone else and it was clear that it was institutional racism well, see, the first thing you have to do is you have to acknowledge that it exists uh -huh. you can't even get to a solution unless you acknowledge that it exists. Sure. And so a, a clear example, especially that comes from our modern day president is when he said something along the lines of the Confederate flag. Well, that's my monument. I, I value that flag because it means something to my history. And I thought, yeah, it means something to mine, too. Uh -huh. It means something to mine too. I can't make that right. Sure. I can't make the Confederate flag right. Uh 
-hmm. I can't make Stone Mountain, Georgia right, where mm -hmm. they have the murals of the of the uh, leaders of the Confederacy and and they're in a glorified form. Mm -hmm. Those leaders would have me in slavery. They would have me oppressed. And so I can't make that right. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't get reconciled. Now, that being the case has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Because see, it, it is reported in the scriptures over and over again that in heaven, there's going to be all kindreds and peoples and nations and tongues. See, God doesn't have racism. God made us all. And so with him, we all are equal, you see. And in fact, God has one primary objective. And his primary objective is you and I and everyone else making it to heaven, giving us an opportunity to make it to heaven. That supersedes everything else, everything else. Right. And so what happens, uh, and this is my perspective, mm -hmm. but I believe that it is grounded in the word of God, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, Jesus is, is doing something with his disciples, and his disciples come to him and say, Master, did you hear what they did to the people in the tower, how they rushed the people into the tower, and, and they burned them, and, and, and burned them up and killed them? Because that was wrong. Uh -huh. That was wrong how those Jews were treated that way. And his disciples were telling Jesus this thing. And Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. He gave no credence to the social ills of this world. Uh -huh. There's something more important than that. Absolutely. See, this, this perspective is not popular. Uh -huh. But it is scriptural. Sure. And so if you want to get it right, you need to come to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Now, I suffered racism in corporate America, and the Lord saved me with a Caucasian pastor. Uh -huh. You want to talk about a miracle. Right. I was right. fresh off the racism victimization in corporate America. Fresh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. I had basically threw in the white town and say, I surrender. This is what you're going to get out of me. I'm getting ready to circulate my resume. I'm getting out of here. Can't say it's going to be better anywhere else because of what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, this, what you all are doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just wrong. Mm -hmm. And see, right. it led me to the Lord. And I, in fact, I, uh, I did a Facebook live recording on one of our sermons, oh, maybe about two months ago, on how racism brought me to the Lord. Mm, brought you. Mm -hmm. Greatness of God is that he brought me to the Lord. It was successful. It was the right way. And it was with a Caucasian pastor. Mm -hmm. So not everybody, just because they're Caucasian or Ha they have a vendetta against me. Sure. So we, we have to go on what's happening in the churches. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you handle a church that somebody in that church uses a racist term? And I'm going to say this, this is what I say to our congregation. 
God wants races saved too. <laughs> right. They won't be saved overnight. Sure. So they might have that attitude for a year or two uh -huh. until God gets and says, okay, we're going to erase that now. Uh -huh. Just like any other sin or ill. Absolutely. But God is counting on the children, uh -huh. us, to be able to understand what's going on so that we can handle it. Just like people don't come in and they're holy the next day. Uh -huh. People don't come in and, and understand the financial plan, paying tithes right away. Sure. People are going to get saved and they may not understand if they have that background, if it's been in, if they've been raised in those circumstances, they, that may not be the first thing that's going to keep them out of heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And God would be tapping us on the shoulder and saying, well, I need you to understand. Stick with the program. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the power of God. Yes. And in that, in that process in all of us, sure. And uh, that's the that's, love you're talking about. Yeah, that's a very good point you made that we all come with stuff. And the, yes. the, the spirit of God over time works with us. And uh, we got to be sure. in that process. If a person doesn't get, get rid of a racist attitude, and, and uh -huh. I, I've said this before, you know, there are Caucasians that can be racist. There are African-Americans that can be racist. There are other cultures that can be racist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. The, but, the not talked about racism is the ones against uh, those from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. That's not talked about often. But there was a time in our history right after World War II where the Japanese, we were not kind to the Japanese. Oh, That's right. another form of racism. And mm -hmm. so... Mm -hmm. We had names for them that were derogatory. Mm -hmm. There are names for the Jews that are derogatory. Mm -hmm. For all cultures, they have a name. You know, for Italians, there are some names and all this. And yeah. all of that's got to be shed. It's not going to make it to heaven. That's People right. that embrace that are not going to be happy in heaven. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, heaven's going to be a mighty diverse place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get that you can be in culture shock, literally. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, we are beyond the 7.30 mark here. And um, hopefully there's some questions queuing up from the congregation. Okay. Uh, Desi, you going to come back on and help me field some questions from the congregation, Brother Stan? As soon as he gets his cell phone. I, I, he... I am. I was typing into the chat to okay. make sure people know that it's time to submit I was trying questions. to keep my eye on it. That go uh, too far beyond. No, 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 no. This has been a good conversation and I'm, I'm glad we're doing it. Looking at the chat, I'm hoping that people will, will join in. I'll ask a question to start for you, Brother Stan. We're waiting for people to, to join in. You said it had been some period of time before you were willing to acknowledge this call that had been placed on your life. Yes, sir. Do you remember Broad Brush, roughly how long that was? I mean, like, did you wrestle with this for weeks, months? Was this a couple of years? What, what was... From the time God spoke to you and began to deal with you saying, I, I have ministry plans for you, to the time that you were willing to admit that and go to your pastor and start getting some training, what kind of time period was that? Oh, it was at least six months. So, okay. So it was months. It was months. And meanwhile, from what you've described, Elder Beardsley was waiting on you, huh? Yeah, he didn't move. He, he did not budge. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying he wasn't surprised either. 
if I understood that correctly, when you came to talk no, to him. he was not surprised. It was almost as if the Lord had already told him. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't doubt that. <laughs> so, Brother Stan, why do you think it is that he didn't tell you before you came to him? I'm baiting you a little bit here. Well, yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... There, a, a called person of God, most people that are called of God have drive. Mm -hmm. Most people. Mm -hmm. uh, not everybody that's, that feels a calling responds to the calling because they, they lack the drive. Mm -hmm. you, you almost have to be in a position where you want to do something for God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I picked that up from Brother Beardsley. Uh, and, and I use it to this day. We, we have 13 on our ministerial staff in Wilmington. And I didn't tell any of them they were called. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I knew some of them were called. Not all of them. For the ones that say that they're called, uh, an another thing that I don't do is I don't tell them they're not called. Mm -hmm. I, I say, okay, prove it. Uh -huh. Sure. So uh, a man's calling will make room. The gifts and calling of the Lord make room for themselves. Absolutely. So it'll become evident sooner or later. Does that answer your question, Brother Desi? Yes, it does. And, and thank you for being willing to answer that. And we do have some questions that have been submitted now. So I'm going to start off with a question from a Beardsley grandchild. So one of the Beardsley family members has asked, how was it learning and growing under the mentorship of James Beardsley in the role of a pastor as he was training you to be a pastor? There, one word. Okay. Rough. Rough. Really? Rough. You hear Stephen talk about he was raised by wolves. Uh-huh. <laughs> Brother Business probably on this call, but he knows. He's probably laughing if he's watching this. He probably laughs because he, he laughs when Stephen says that. When he says, I was raised by wolves, he'll just laugh yeah. at that. Hey, he would tell us when we would meet with him, Stephen and mm -hmm. I would meet with him. And this is for that Beersley uh, person, grandchild. This is what he would say. How many Bible studies did you teach this week? Mm. And sometimes Stephen and I would just fiddle around in our seat. We'd be nervous. And well, I, I had a chance to witness to, to this one and I witnessed to that one. And mm -hmm. I didn't really get a chance to, to teach a Bible study because they canceled out on me. This other one did. And, and he would look us in the eye and he, he would say, you don't want it bad enough. <laughs> that sounds like him Stan <laughs> one time Brother Beersley said to me Stan I don't see too much going on in Wilmington are you sure you're not called the bear <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't smile when he said it just those eyebrows oh, wow. <laughs> see I moved here three years ago as he was reaching you know the the twilight retirement age and so i keep hearing of these legendary eyebrows that mm. 
Oh yeah, I was not pretty cute. Eyebrows, trust me. <laughs> and the glasses were this big, and the eyebrows came over and pushed them down. <laughs> you knew you were getting it then. You some serious eyebrows, huh? Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. They make you look away. <laughs> uh, a 300 pound but it was yeah but it was some good training huh it was good because it was uncompromising mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was uncompromising mm -hmm. either you're well, going to live up to your calling or you're not mm -hmm. and if somebody can knock you off your ministry well, then your ministry needs to just roll on over and die. <laughs> no, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned calling. So we had someone else ask another question. Um, how did you, and, and we're not asking because you said it was private. So I'm not asking for anything like that. But this person asked the question, how could you tell that you were called? Was it a feeling? Did God speak to you directly? I mean, for, and it's a young person who asked this question. So. How would you, so I'll even softball it a little more for you, Brother Stan, as a pastor, if you've got a young person coming to you and they're wanting to talk to you about the possibility of a call of God on your life, how would you advise people to recognize that or to figure out if God was calling them to do something? I would tell them this one thing, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, go win souls. There's no minister of the gospel, regardless of the five-fold ministry that a person's going to be called to where they can't win souls. A minister that can't win souls is not worth, it, worth his salt. Mm -hmm. He's got to be able to win souls. That's the basic requirement. That's the prerequisite. If, if they can win souls, okay, well, now you have something to work with because now you have an individual that you can help come in in its in his development with the lord or this family in their development with the lord for whatever your calling might be whether you're going to be a teacher whether your future is a pastor and your pastor allows you to pastor most of us pastors won't allow somebody called to be a pastor to pastor until they're really ready because they can ruin a person's life but they can do some other things they can win souls. They can convince people. They can compel people to be saved. Because if you're going to be a minister of the gospel, how in the world are you going to be able to speak to someone if you can't hear from God and minister to them that would lead them to Christ when that's exactly what he wants? So here's yeah. how you know you're called. I'm sum it up. Go win yeah. souls. That's the beginning. All right. And then tied to that, we've got you. You must have struck a nerve tonight as you were talking about calling. We had another question. Um, someone asked, "Are we not all called to a place in the body? Do you feel that everyone has a calling to some place in the body?" Absolutely. I feel that. I believe uh, Jeremiah chapter one verses four and five, where the Lord says to Jeremiah, "I knew you." before I placed you in your mother's womb mm -hmm. and I called you to be a prophet. Mm -hmm. So if the Lord knew Jeremiah before he placed that soul in that mother's womb, 
And if he gave Jeremiah his purpose, we are all called to fit into the body for the reason that God created us. He's not playing games with us. He's, he's not doing this for funsies. He has a purpose <laughs> for every one of us. Funsies. And yeah. we, we need to seek out and find and rest in that purpose. And so that is a calling on all believers, but that's different than being called to the fivefold ministry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But God does have a, you would absolutely affirm, if I'm hearing you correctly, that, that God has a plan for everyone. Absolutely. And he has a place for them in, in ministry and in his absolutely everyone. The expectation is that we all contribute. That's exactly correct. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Kind of going back to your own conversion experience, we had another question that came in that said, what would you say are the top three things that helped you grow in God as a new convert? So as you started this journey yourself, what were, if, if you could narrow it down to three things, or even just the first three that come to your mind that really helped you begin to grow? Sure, I can do that. <clears throat> Number one... Good. Is it okay to go ahead? Yeah. Okay, yes, number one is when I came to church, I brought a steno pad and I literally treated the preaching like I was in a professor's college classroom and I took notes. That's number one. There you go. Number two, I would take those notes and in a time I spent with the Lord every day, like you, you pray in the morning, mm -hmm. Brother Beardsley said would say, "Pray through every morning." And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray through. I'm gonna have my notes, and I'm gonna read a little scripture. But I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back and look that over. I'm gonna make sure I got it what he was preaching. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so that's number two. And number three would be just caring enough about people to want them to be saved, to stay saved, just caring about people. That's what helped me. Uh -huh. And yeah. there was a, in my beginning, there was a lot that I couldn't do, but I could take notes. I could review those notes because I already did that at school. So yeah. I, I knew I could do that because I wanted to get it. I wanted to pass the test when the test came. So I would do that. And then the third thing is I could care. Mm -hmm. I could care. And so those were the three things that kind of kept me level-headed. So I would, I would imagine even today as a pastor, um, probably doesn't bother you to see people taking notes when you're preaching this. Huh? Oh man, I pat them on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I pat you're a firm on. believer in paying attention and taking notes. Oh, yeah. Stand out, uh, interject here uh, for a minute. I remember coming to Newark and uh, learning everything was new. To be quite honest, I had just never heard the word that way. And right. for those Wednesday night Bible studies in particular, I remember coming up to Brother Beersy afterwards and I, I got questions. You know, I'm, I'm asking questions. And that was a new experience because in my prior experience, uh, you didn't do that. You know, you, you didn't. It, it was taken as you were questioning you know, as opposed to getting understanding. 
And so it was refreshing to be able to get answers and again, go and study that out for yourself so that you that you had some understanding with that. So that was a, that was a big value to um, coming to Newark and the ministry being approachable, maybe, you know, and, and, yeah. and being able to ask questions and get understanding. See, in Newark and in Wilmington, the people don't understand how fortunate they are to get that word that way. Mm -hmm. And the focus is always on that you actually get what's being preached. You actually get it. Mm -hmm. And I've yeah. seen Desi, I've seen you, I've seen your wife, I've seen the Amanpours and, and all the folks mm -hmm. on the ministry staff there do little excerpts and, and you're driving point, you're driving your point home and mm -hmm. and and see that that they get that. Yeah. You yeah. see, I, I don't think it's a mistake. I think it comes at the right time according to the will of God. Yes, sir. That yeah, that's big. Not having grown up here, you know, my wife and I came here from other places and had done work in other churches before coming here. But one of the things that that drew us to this place was the strong emphasis on study and the scriptures and, and really making sure that people were in the scriptures and reading it for themselves. So I, even as an outsider, and I'm no longer an outsider, but when we first came here as outsiders, that was something we could appreciate because you're, you're right. For those of you who are homegrown here, you may not realize it, but not all churches look like that. Yeah, that's not true. all. Not all churches encourage questions and mm -hmm. want you to ask questions and dig right. in for yourself. Right. Absolutely. Another question for you, sir. We had one come in that said, when you were a new believer, what misconceptions did you have about church and your walk with God that could have hindered your growth? You know, things that you had to work around. So for some of our newer people, maybe you could pass along a few pearls of wisdom, things that maybe you didn't have right at first that you, that if you could avoid those mistakes for other people, what would you steer them around? Well, one of the one thing that really stood, stood out in the beginning was how uh, people would uh, be affected by the spirit of God moving. And we mm -hmm. had, uh, mm. uh, well, one, one fan, one child of a, of a parent said when they got to, they got happy <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and they, they would do like this and they would be bowing and you know they're just just doing like that they called it that's mom getting her wings uh -huh. and uh uh and when i saw that and then when altar call would come i would go up to the altar i'd do this <laughs> Get oh, you're just watching <laughs> as i'm kneeling down i'm looking don't with the attitude don't you come over here and touch me with those hands y'all y'all <laughs> you can't even stand up straight you're snotting and crying and here you're gonna come over here and pray don't touch me I'm gonna go pray, but you're not invited to pray with me i can pray by myself <laughs> That was big with me. Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your hands uh -huh. to yourself. That's right. You uh -huh. wigglers, you know. <laughs> oh, that's great. You wigglers. I'm going to have to remember that. That's so, so, from you, Brother Stan. I'm going to go put it like that. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 I, I didn't know these people, and they, they, they just kind of a little too friendly for me. <laughs> So those demonstrative displays, you know, when, when people are worshiping and, and 
being and touched people, by the spirit. That was an adjustment praying. for you. Okay, here you go. I'm I'm praying and somebody touched me, I go. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> what a misconception, right? Yeah. They mm -hmm. they knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Sister Beersley would be one of those that would say, so if somebody doesn't go over there, if you don't get a man to go pray with that man, then we're gonna send the women over there to pray with him. <laughs> that was her thing. Y'all get over there and pray for that that man, because the men wasn't wasn't praying with people. <laughs> uh. Not enough of them. So uh -huh. but yeah, yeah, that so part was Sister Beards, elder sister Beardsley, Eleanor Bisney would sick yes. people on you huh she'd send people to pray for you <laughs> she would tell brother Beers, you better go go over there and tell those men to pray for so and so you know she that's that's the the wolf at you know she, <laughs> fair enough fair <laughs> enough here's another question for you have you had a specific opportunity to witness or to teach a bible study or minister to people that you could see clearly that interaction was orchestrated by the Lord. I mean, there's no way you would have connected with that person if God oh had goodness. not been in it. Would you be willing to share a story like that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, sure. When mm -hmm. I was first called, and then after I had, had my interaction with Brother Beardley and I accepted, the Lord came to me in a dream. And he asked mm. me to, he said, I want you to go into the prison. And my response was, I'm not going in no prison. You called me to no. prison. You, you give me a regular church. Oh, regular. <laughs> that was my response to oh. God in the dream. Oh. You mm. know, it was just so yeah. natural that, you know, and that would, that would have been my attitude at the time. What in the world you think you're doing, Lord? Goodness gracious, I told you I'm not this and I'm not that. And now you're going to send me into the prison. It has nothing to do with trying to pastor a church. And what in the world? How have you planned it? What's going on? And uh, so the Lord allowed me to win someone who was in some trouble. And they're, in six months, their trial was going to come up. And we were believing that God was going to, to uh, set them free and, you know, we're believing the Lord. The Lord can do anything. And he's forgiven you of your sins. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. And God going to set you free. You're not going to have to go in. Don't even worry. We're going to keep it moving. And God put them in prison. Mm. Still for, consequences for those yeah, former actions. For, the, huh? for their wrong for their wrongdoings. Mm -hmm. And then that person got word to me. Can you ask Brother Stan to come visit me? And so I went to go visit him. And in that session, he brought in another person that whose father was a preacher, but he was also in jail. This guy was in jail. His dad was a preacher. Mm -hmm. And we had Bible study. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, okay, yeah, okay. I came in, I visited you. We shared the word, I did the Bible study. And so then at the end, he said, can you come again next week? Uh -huh. And I kind of hesitated. He said, oh, please, please, Brother Stan, come back next week. We really need this, you know. Uh -huh. And so I came back the next week, and he had three more people. Uh -huh. And that was the beginning of my prison ministry that lasted three years. 
three years and 55 people with the Holy Ghost later that were praying oh, for wow. my ministry. 32 people baptized. I baptized in the prison. 32 people. I had 55 receive the Holy Ghost. And I'm in there all day on Saturdays and uh, then some on Monday nights too, because once they were in these, they were in these programs that, that give them skills. And so they moved to a different program. They moved to a different cell block and location and you'd have to go visit them there. You, it wouldn't be where they used to be. And mm -hmm. so, but I had people all over the place. And so I would end up having to have four or five different Bible study sessions on a Saturday. This went on for wow. three years. My and it started with a dream where you told God no. Yep. Wow. That's an amazing story. And yep. then at the end of the three years, the Lord had, had it, uh, he shut it down. All of a sudden, the, my card got pulled and they said, well, Rev, you, you, you can't come in anymore. Where's your card? We don't have your card on file anymore. It's just like it's disappeared. Hmm. And they said, maybe you want to talk to the chaplain. But he's not here now, so you have to get in touch with him on Monday. And they wouldn't let me in. And I went out to my car this Saturday morning, and I started praying to the Lord, God, what's going on? How come I can't get in here to see these people? You asked me to do this. I'm doing this for you now. And, and so, so what's going on? And the Lord said to me, he said, now I want you to start working on Wilmington. Wow. I cried like a baby. Oh. I cried because I cared for those guys. Yeah. I wasn't faking. Mm -hmm. My mm -hmm. heart was connected to the 55. Mm -hmm. And now they were going to be dropped like a hot potato. And, and I was mad with the Lord for 15 months. The, re, the way I mark it is when I got mad with the Lord about that. First, you didn't want me to go in. Now you wanted me to go in. Now I went in and now you just, you're just going to cut me off just like that. And that's how the Lord did it. And I was mad with him. And he wouldn't let me win a soul for 15 months. I had a 15-month drought with winning souls. After winning them regular. Wow. Regular. I would be able to lay hands on people. They would receive the Holy Ghost. I would be able to speak a thing that would come true in their life, you know, the whole nine, mm -hmm. the whole ministry piece. But the Lord, as long as I was mad at him, he wouldn't let me win a soul. And finally, at 50, and I would ask him along the way, when am I going to be able to win a soul? What's going on, Lord? What's the difference? And he would never tell me. And I had to discover why God was... Uh, not letting me win souls. It was my attitude toward him because I was angry for him shutting down that ministry. And once mm -hmm. I repented of that, I started winning souls again. <laughs> wow. There's As several a, life lessons wrapped up all in that story, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. This is, I think this is more a comment than a question. I'll even tell you who said this. This is, this is Bernice Griffin. And she says, is your main praying time still 5 a.m. like you used to wake up all the quizzers on quiz trips? See, that almost sounds accusatory to me, Brother Stan. Not quite like a question. <laughs> I, no, I, I, Sister Bernice, I'm still an early riser. And the first thing I do is I commence with my conversation. 
Thank you, Lord, for giving me another day, a chance to get it right. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes, sir. Please I am not an not early right. riser, but I do agree with the idea of starting your day whenever your day starts. Yeah. The conversation with God. Well, also married to an early riser, thank goodness. Oh, yeah. I remember oh, yeah. rooming with Millicent at some ladies' event, and she's up at like mm -hmm. 5 a.m., 4 or 5, you know, up with the chicken. Yeah, she, she's up before no. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, thank you. So are we encroaching on your bedtime then? Not mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Not good. Mine. If she was here, she, she's got about another 30, 35 minutes or so. <laughs> so we're getting closer to bedtime. Well, for Brother her. Stan, I, for her, yes, sir. I am the one watching all the comments and I know you don't see it. I'm looking at a separate software program, but there are, it's too many people to name all these people who are excited to have you with us here today. Many, many, many thanks and hello. I'll, I'll give one shout out. Ray Shello specifically asked that I tell you, he said hello and thank you for what you've meant in his life. And there's many other people who are on and they're all saying hi and they're so glad you're with us and it's wonderful to hear your testimony. And like I said, we kind of cheated. Tonight wasn't really Friday night with friends. This was more like Friday night with a brother, you know, Friday night with family. But we thank you so much for being willing to come on and give us this hour of your time and share some of your own testimony and your journey. It's always encouraging when we get a chance to hear from other people. And so if you've been watching with us and we welcome you and thank you for joining us and you can find oh, more information about our church on newarkupc.info. And during this COVID-19 situation, we are broadcasting six nights a week. And so every Tuesday through Sunday, we take Mondays off, but Tuesday through Sunday, every single night, we have a broadcast at 7 p.m. Four of those six nights, they're, they're pre-recorded and we put together messages from our pastoral team and we'll pick a weekly theme and deal with some Bible topic all throughout the week. And then on Wednesdays and Fridays at 7 p.m., like tonight, we are live. And so if you will join us on Wednesdays and Fridays, you are welcome to submit questions and comments and we'll do live interaction. We want to thank you once again for coming tonight. You can find more information at newarkupc.info. You can submit prayer requests, baptism requests. Maybe tonight you were listening to Brother Stan's testimony and his ministry, and it's made you think about your own need to be baptized. Get in contact with us. We'd be happy to talk to you more. But thank you once again for joining us. Brother Stan, thank you so much for coming on as a guest tonight. And to all of our church family and our friends who are with us, we thank you and we wish you a good evening and God bless. Good night, folks. Right. Have a great day.